0: Welcome to episode 59 of the Narrative Wargamer podcast. I am Tony Rhodes and tonight I'm joined by Dan. Hello. And for the first time in a while, Adam,
1: Mr. ADR Wargaming has returned to the show. Hello. Good evening. It's great to be here. I don't know why I'm doing a very strange radio voice. No, that's not my voice. Hello. Hello. It's good to be here. It's good to have you back, Adam. Um, You have been a guest
0: on the show um, before in the past, but uh, it's fair to say that you are you often kept quite busy with all the other things that you're up to in in your own uh, time as a content creator.
1: We've been trying to make this happen for a well. I wish it was in my time as a content creator. It's mostly in my time as a as a as a, as, a, as a gainfully employed gentleman. Um, no, it's it's. We've been trying to make this happen for a while, but it's really good to actually be able to get back and and be here and uh, yeah, talk about some some bugs. Ultimately, I hope I haven't spoiled the lead there.
0: Oh, uh, no no. I mean, it's fair to say that. Um... Dan in particular has been very excited and waited very patiently a long time for this episode <laughs> because not only is this our um, our first like Faction on Crusade episode since 10th Edition has launched, but uh, mm. it is going to be the long-awaited Tyrodids on Crusade <laughs> that is tonight's
1: topic. Yeah, Dan, I'm sure, is very excited. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the noise that tyrannids make when they see a lot of biomass. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Dan, uh,
0: I take it you've you've been waiting very patiently for this one. A, a, a whole edition ago was
2: when we were originally planning to do
0: this episode.
2: <laughs> yep, yep, it's been a while. I've been uh, eagerly waiting in the void, watching from the the shadow in the wall. <laughs> um. Uh, conveniently, the crusade rules in this edition are very, very similar to the ones from ninth edition, so I can go over basically the same stuff that I would have been talking about anyway.
1: This is this has been prepped for ages. This is like going to be this is like going to be like when the presentation in school and you just you've had it prepped for weeks. We Tony and I have just turned up. We've done no work, and Dan's just going to be like, right, here's a series of pie charts, graphs, and quotes that's going to just substantiate my argument. <laughs> And we're just going to go, yeah, cool. Yeah, we agree with that.
2: <laughs> In fairness, it's a it's a good change from the usual thing of Tony has the book and reads it. And I just go, mm, yeah, that sounds cool.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. I mean, t- yeah. To be fair, this is one of the uh, the episodes tonight where uh, I am going to be along for the ride because I do not have and have not read the uh, Tyrannid Crusade rules. So it's going That's to be fair, interesting fair. to hear exactly what they get up to, especially in the context of the new like 10th edition format for Crusade as well.
1: Mm. Mm.
0: But um, before we do jump into all that properly... Um, should we should we give adam a, a proper chance to introduce himself and tell us a little about what it is he does and uh, the other things he gets up to uh
1: yes that's very kind of you yes i am i am adam aka adr wargaming i'm called that pretty much everywhere uh instagram for example being the main one um yeah i i what well what do i get up to um i do a bunch of things i like to paint warhammer i like to play warhammer um but i also uh, am a host of a little fellow podcast uh called the conclave uh the conclave 40k uh podcast you can look us up we're on spotify and all other good reputable platforms um and probably some not so reputable ones to be fair uh and uh, yeah we it's we're just a bunch of us um sort of friends of mine here in london and we just chat about warhammer i mean there isn't much more to it than that to be honest with you we 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 like playing with our little toy soldiers and we like talking about it we also like talking about other stuff as well we talk about nerdy nonsense generally we were chatting just before we started recording tonight about one of our friends uh, my friend war hipster uh who you can check out on youtube as well I'll give him a little plug if you want to learn how to be a bit of a wizard with contrast paint um he's on the podcast with us and he normally has some interesting views on uh, what's been going on in the week of sci-fi based television that we uh, end up talking about but we do primarily focus on warhammer and yeah i i I, when I get time because I don't often get time as you alluded to at the start of the podcast uh, I do like to play games and you know just generally get out there and do a bit of narrative bit of competitive bit of everything really um, and obviously since the start of 10th edition I've been playing about with the tyranids I've been using the space marines as well so I've played against tyranids which is an interesting experience to be on the receiving end of the power of the hive mind as well as being able to sort of dole it out uh, in large spoonfuls um so yeah it's been it, it's it's good it's uh, it's a good time right now I think to be a bug enthusiast shall we say <laughs> yeah
0: I mean how have you been finding them Dan I know um, you've also had a chance to sort yeah. of get your hands on some games with the new tirades. Yeah,
2: yes fun um they uh they're good but not really really strong. Sort of like they were when the last codex came out, and it was ridiculously oppressive, and you just felt kind of a bit dirty playing them. Yes, yeah. Now they're sort of like safely in the middle. It feels, mm. which is which is where everyone should be, really.
1: I mean, yeah, they they're definitely yeah they they're definitely like a mid uh, not mid tier makes them sound a bit rubbish, and they're not. They're really good fun to play with. I think there's loads of depth in the book. We'll talk about it more as we go through the podcast, but they're definitely not broken right in the way that i yeah. think some armies let's be blunt about it for tenth edition are are a bit broken and post nerf are still a bit broken elder sorry <laughs> um <laughs> but uh, but you know it, it it is it is what it is it's the way it's the way the game evolves right but but no i think tyranids offer if and i think a lot of people have got them now as well that didn't have them before from the leviathan box um oh, yeah. bought that and got into 40k uh, or just you know bought the box to expand their armies and and therefore tyranids yeah it's a good good time to be playing with them i think they're they're good fun really overall
2: yeah there's a there's always a nice period when new models come out and you see lots of people painting them on on the instagrams and and twitter and stuff but especially when new tyranids come out because they all look always look great in like every scheme
1: and you know what we should we should say as well tony sorry to jump in with another plug but it's not a plug for me (laughs) <laughs> kind of plug for me, but it's also a plug for Dan because listeners of the Narrative War Game Podcast, if you are a Tyranid person and if you have painted your Tyranids using any shade of orange and you want to join the hashtag Orange Carapace Gang, which Dan and I are yeah. proudly members of, then get it on the Instagram, tag us, hashtag it, and we can all join together and you know turn Space Marines into soup or whatever it is we do for fun. Orange soup. <laughs> or, well, well, yeah. or Ultimately, it will become it will become chitin. So yeah, orange yes. soup is fine. Carrot soup, t- sort of slightly yep. off tomato soup. Whatever you want to do.
0: <laughs> and uh, any space room players that happen to have space rings painted in orange armor should watch out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Because we'll, we'll just we'll, we'll just we'll just think you look you look particularly tasty because we like orange. So you know.
2: Also, uh, bonus points for correct pronunciation of chitin.
1: Oh, thank you, oh. thank you. Not chitin. <laughs>
2: <Ugh. laughs> yeah, that's what that's what the Dan will uh,
0: never never lets me slip up on. He always makes sure that I always <laughs> get it the right way around. <laughs> um, yes. But yeah, so like we know the Tyranids have um, been the first sort of army to get their. Um, Codex uh, in the 10th edition environment, and the first ones to have the option to experiment around with multiple detachments. I don't know have, have mm. you really had a chance to sort of delve into that at all, or try a couple out? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, Straight Dan. Tonight. I know, I, I know, I know why that is the case. That's because currently, <laughs> all, the majority of all your materials are sat in my yep. living room, um, and you've just had the contents of
2: Leviathan. I have precisely the leviathan box and one non-emissary
1: it's <laughs> <laughs> a, a good start um yeah. i i so i've 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 actually only played a game with invasion fleet um a couple of games actually with invasion fleet because obviously index hammer was a thing um i've built a list with the um vanguard onslaught thought as well um and sort of played around with the idea of taking that i haven't had a chance to run it on the table yet so it, i i would like to actually get that going at some point because i'm in a couple of again don't get a chance to play very often but when i do i'm in a couple of sort of campaigns with friends of mine uh, in, cool. in different gaming groups in london including guys from podcast actually so um so yeah so I, one of one of those i'm playing i decided to literally just i was like i'll just do the two armies that i've sort of been you know building out of the box so one of them i'm space marines and in the other one i'm tyranids so Uh, in the tyranid one i will end up using at some point vanguard invader um but but i think i think the options are really good right i mean my i don't know dan you, you sort of had a chance to do some theory crafting but like i think all of them apart from maybe crusher stampede um which is probably suffering from the existence of crusher stampede and i say this i hold my hands up as someone who took crusher stampede <laughs> to a team tournament as well uh many eons ago when it became a thing so i'm guilty of, of being that guy um but uh but yeah i think it's suffered a bit from what crusher stampede was before uh and it's it's come you know it's, it's it's hit it's been hit hard shall we say still usable still cool still good fun if you like big bugs but from like the whole you know let's be all optimized and competitive point of view probably not the best one but they are all still fun i would say and if you're playing a fun game and you want to use your big bugs take your crush stamp go for it man
2: yeah it's still good yeah I, I definitely want to try all of them at some point
1: um
2: mm. they all seem fun and flavorful i've i have and heard it's...
0: that like none of them seem bad
2: yeah yeah no none of them are bad none of them seem really really good either which is nice like the, yeah, the there's, default there's, yeah. is still yeah, one of the best no, ones I, I,
1: yes yeah exactly exactly and i think i think the it it really does because tyranids are and you know again we'll talk about this more i guess but tyranids are such a diverse army in terms of like how you can build them like if you want to run 160 gaunt slash gant slash gargoyles right if you want to do your big swarm you can and there is a detachment for you there is literally an unending swarm detachment right so they, they really leaned into like all those different ways to play them um which is really nice because then you know depending on what your collection looks like you can mix and match them you know you can try different things which is which is the mark of a good book i think if, if this is how codexes are going to be going forward um and i said this on Conclave, i think if this is how codex is going to be going forward and detachments are going to look um i think that's great it's a really good sign
2: yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's also quite nice that the the data sheets haven't changed very much uh, from the um, from the index versions. Yeah,
1: some nice continuity. Yeah, some some of them some. some... Yeah, some of them, some of them did change in quite interesting ways. So shed a tear for Tyranifex, Um, hmm. for those of you who know what that means. Um, but, uh, but but uh, but yeah, you know they. they... <laughs> every Tyranid player, every Tyrannid player loves the Tyranifex, right? So you say you say what happened to the effects everyone just goes, yeah, yeah, pretty sad, sad times. Um, but no, they have they have largely stayed the same um, or gotten like interesting different side grades i would say um so yeah really really good overall in terms of transition from the index
0: yeah excellent well i mean it sounds like the for the first codex of 10th edition it sounds like there seems to have been a good handle on essentially codex creep the whole codex versus index scenario you know and not being huge changes on the data cards Really is probably a big contributor to that. If the majority Mm -hmm. of units and the majority of armies are going to look like they currently do when their codexes land, then you're not going to get as big a disparity as there might have been in 8th edition when Mm -hmm. uh, some armies went from their index to their codex.
2: Yeah, Um, absolutely.
0: I know about halfway through that cycle, there was a point where basically you didn't, most people avoided playing codex versus index games because Mm. the disparity was enough to sort of. Feel it in the games, um, yeah. so yeah. you'd end up with like the twelve people who had their codexes playing with the, well the twelve armies that had their codexes playing against each other, and the twelve armies that didn't play against each other. Um,
1: yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I think, I think, I think, I think part of that is a function of the way that they've gone about, like just in tenth edition generally, the way that they've gone about designing the detachments for the index you know and and for codexes which is you're not doing what you did in eighth edition and ninth edition which is where you're just layering rules on rules on rules on rules so you're like you know i mean i, re- I remember like back in the days of of crusher stampede right like crusher stampede i had i uh, what was it uh, what was the full list of things i had to take with me because i remember when i went to this damn team tournament i basically was bringing like the british library in a bag because i had the Tyrannid <laughs> codex i had some i had a supplement and then i had a white dwarf on top of that because it was, it was like you could run the Leviathan supplement and you could run Crusher Stampede at the same time, and then obviously they yeah. then, they then got rid of that as well, which was, to be fair was a very good thing because that was broken as all hell. Um, but <laughs> but the 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 system now where it's just pick a detachment, you get six enhancements for your army you get you know or however many is, i think it's six off the top of my head or four um you get you know six stratagems that you can play with some of which are shared across the detachments others of which are completely unique um and that's it right and that's what you work with and you're not layer. you get your army rule whatever one you run and you're not layering on top of that like oh i've got access to this thing and then i've got access to that thing where there's someone sitting over there with an index going i've got a potato you know, So it just creates <laughs> a really unfair game. Um, so it's, it's, it's definitely a better system. And I know, I know people were a bit sceptical about bits of this, but having played a few games with it, it, it actually works quite well, I, I think.
2: Absolutely. I mean, the, like,
0: one of the impressions I get of it is that, as Dan's alluded to already, is that, say in a codex like this one where you've got six different attachments, that gives someone six games to play before they even have to necessarily play with duplicate detachment or settle on which one they enjoyed the most for their collection. And actually, for a lot of players, six games of 40k with that one faction as well is probably going to last them like a a month, a couple of months or two, you know, like two or three months, depending on the player, um, before they're necessarily recycling or, you know, settling on which one is definitely this is the way I want to run my army and they don't even have to do that like you could settle on two of them that like work well for their collection and they can switch and change it up from uh, you know week to week at the game club if they want
1: yeah yeah, yeah definitely and i i think awesome. as well the 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 other the other thing to say about it, about it is for for people who oh no sorry gone down i've I've chatted away for too long go on, i was
2: going to say b- bonus points for um the fact that the detachments aren't um sub faction locked so if you're someone who has painted an army in a specific color and you are stubborn and refuse to play as not that color you can now play it as any of the Mm -hmm. detachments
0: yes i mean of of all the armies Tyranids were probably the one which the majority of people either would not care or even know necessarily which paint schemes were which high fleets but i have to say for myself dan um, I certainly would have been someone who would have been self-imposing it on myself if I had a collection painted in a particular scheme. Because I do know and recognize the majority of the paint schemes, which are the High Fleets. I would not <laughs> expect anyone else to necessarily be beholden to them. But it's, it's that weird thing, isn't it, where it's like, well, those are clearly painted as High Fleet Kraken, and I know that. Yeah, but you're using well, you get... Leviathan rules.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say you, you can always tell because you had the people who had Eighth Edition Kraken that then became Ninth Edition Leviathan. That's now helpfully anything you want, right? So mm, yeah. it, was, it was always funny. There was a lot, there were a lot of there were a lot of Kraken Leviathan high fleets knocking around in Ninth Edition. I remember that. They're
0: <laughs> yeah. you know, always busy fighting with the suspiciously um, slightly grey blue painted Ultramarines slash Space Wolves slash Angels <laughs> slash whatever yeah.
1: chapter they needed
0: to be space marines
1: yeah 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 no it's, it's true uh, but what i, I was going to say on on top of that as a as sort of a build out to what dan was saying there i think the other nice bonuses and uh, you know if, if you if you're listening and you've you've not looked at the tyranid codex or you don't know anyone who's got one if you, if you can get a flick through it from you know a friend or whatever it's worth looking at just to get a feel for how codex is you know potentially as the model going forward but the other thing to note is right that you're not- the, the, the detachments aren't- and and it's something that-, that it, sorry, the detachments aren't restricted by models either, right? So one thing I thought people- certainly we talked about, like among my group of people I play with, was we sort of all assumed- Or had a feeling that what they might do is when they do their flavoured detachments, whatever they are, there would be like restrictions. So it would be like, you know, oh, if you're running, you know, let's say Crusher Stampede. Okay, well, you can't actually take Hormagaunts and, you know, uh, Termagants and, and, and Gargoyles because it's a big bug army. So you just can't take them. That's not how they've done it. They've actually done it as, no, you can still use any of the units. It's just that the, the detachments work, do certain things on to keywords, right? To certain keywords, which certain units have. And that makes them, you know, a bit better in that detachment or they do additional things. Um, so that's the other interesting one with, with those, you know, with the units in the book and why it gives like a whole nother level of play for a Tyranid enthusiast is you might have a unit, which you've sat there and you've, you know, again sorry and i apologize i'm on the narrative war game podcast and i'm being a bit like it's, optimization it's right, it's right, about this, right? but like but like you we, might we, sit we there and you might go poking
0: fun at it so it's all fair <laughs>
1: game <laughs> it's legitimate <laughs> but but you might get, you might sit there and you might go oh do you know what gene stealers oh they're a bit they're a bit pricey when i look at my list oh i can't fit some gene stealers in and then you look at the you know the vanguard onslaught detachment where they've got the vanguard invader keyword, so they get additional benefits and you go oh suddenly do you know what they're actually really worth it in that so I'm going to take them. So it encourages you to to, to not be like to, to, to kind of go back on a little bit of what I said there and sort of, you know, to, to, to lightly, lightly mock the competitive optimization world. I think, you know, those tier lists that everyone does where they do those tier lists yep. where they're like, this unit is the best unit and this unit is the worst unit because reasons, right? those are way and to be fair the people who do them that i've seen do them you know other content creators have said this so fair play to them or the good ones have is they're actually a lot harder now because it's really there's mm. so many more ways that like units in the turning codex can work it's really difficult to go nah this one's actually just bad right i mean don't get me wrong there are yeah. a few that fall into that category but overall but it's like, oh, actually, like
0: how good is a gene stealer
1: well the question is what detachment is it in Yeah. Yeah. And also, what are you, are you, are you giving it, are you putting a broodlord in there? You know, can you attach things to it? Right. It's like, Hmm. it it just means it's a lot more, the whole thing is a lot more fluid, which actually I think for all, you know, to to, to think about your comment about like armies painted as armies or whatever, and you know, sort of people talk about removing the flavor a little bit, right? Because one of the, one of the, I think the arguments given against the way they've done it with the you can paint it however you want rule is that people said oh well hang on a second that's moving that's taking away some of the flavor of of you know the 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 the, the fluff behind the, the the codex it's like but actually it's not because now you can do so many combinations and so many things and you know make, make stuff do the thing that it does in the na- in the fluff in the narrative in a given detachment yes. if you want to it actually lets you be a lot more creative right it lets you be a lot more creative
0: it does and i think that's great um in the sense that, yeah, people can do whatever they want. Like, I've been locked into Death Skulls since they introduced sub-factions back in 8th edition. Nice. Now, that has come and gone with its various bonuses over the years. <laughs> I, 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 I still really enjoyed my 6-up inbun throughout 8th edition on just everything. And I do really enjoy the fact that Ramshackle in the new 10th Ed of Orcs is just 6-up Invan on all the Orc vehicles. It feels yeah. like I'm halfway back to being a death school again. <laughs> but <laughs> I like the fact that when their codex rolls around, if I want, I'll have the options of doing a speed wire and not feeling like I'm missing out on some of the benefits because I'm not playing as evil sons. Mm. Like my speedwire mm. will be just as legitimate as an evil sons one.
1: Yeah, um, exactly. Exactly. I can do I can yeah. do a,
0: a shooty list, don't we? Just as valid as a bad moons one and so on. Yeah. So that is great but to um, to return to our poking fun concept at some of the, uh, the <laughs> di- dissonance that you can get sometimes when it comes to uh, the freedom that's now been unlocked by this new method with army lists mm. essentially what you're now looking at is free components you're looking at um, models that you physically can take um, the paint scheme in which they are painted in and the detachment in which they are pulling the rules from mm. and the, the the most wide-ranging flexibility we have of this at the moment is the Space Marines because they kind of have multiple detachments already via the larger sub factions, things like the Blood Angels, the Dark Angels, the Space Wolves. Sure, yeah, true, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and now Space Marine players, feel free to correct me if I get this wrong or my understanding isn't clear because I'm not a Space Marine player, so I have not in-depthly read the rules, but obviously a lot of those chapters and factions have unique units you know the dark angels have the things like the ravenwing and the deathwing knights the blood angels Mm -hmm. are things like sanguinary guard and death company and i'm not 100 percent clear on how those are and aren't faction locked you know you can't have sanguinary guard in your space wolf army (laughs) you know for example yeah now i assume the logic behind that is because you have the blood angels keyword as your chapter word and those Blood Angel unique units can only be taken in a chapter that has the Blood Angel keyword as its chosen keyword. So
1: Lovely. I can I can I can a- I can answer that for you, Tony. You're 100 percent right. So there is a, there is a a bit in the index for the space the generic Space Marines called Space Marine chapters under the army rule, and what it says is if your Adeptus Astartes unit has a second faction keyword, like e.g. Ultramarines, e.g. Raven Guard, thinking about um you know emo fella stood on a wall. Um, uh, what's his name? Shrike. Um, yep. th- you know that is there for the whatever it is chapter. Ultramarines chapter, Raven Guard chapter, Blood Angels. Blah, blah 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 blah. You cannot include units from more than one chapter in your army. So you no. can run a Space Marine army with Gilliman, but you can't run a Space Marine army with Gilliman and the Lion. You know and Dante and I don't know Niall Stormcaller. Yeah right so it is it is set up to sort of force you to pick one basically yeah
0: now conversely i do know that you are allowed to for example have your blood angel chapter army and you can choose to use the gladius strike force detachment yes yeah you don't have to use the blood angel one um now my question is can you do the reverse as being true or not so could you have an ultramarines army that contains only ultramarine characters and units and use what is currently the blood angels detachment rules
1: hmm. that is my that question is do you know what do you know what? I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do it live i'm gonna have a look at the units <laughs> because I, th- I so yeah okay That yes so well, well so what you could do you couldn't you couldn't take because there, there's a it says again in the i'm just looking at the blood angels sons of sanguineous detachment because yeah. you know blood angels and my glorious space jesus hawk boy oh, Sanguius, how <laughs> um you can it says you can include blood angels units but it cannot include any adeptus Astartes units drawn from any other chapter so again you could write like you could take your blue ultramarine i don't know aggressors and you could say for the purposes of this i am running a sons of sanguineous detachment for the purposes of that these aggressors are blood angels aggressors but you couldn't take Marnius Kalgar and go, yeah. Marnius Kalgar yeah. is a blood angel in the Sons of Sanguinius Detachment. Yeah. So, you so could your have... unique units get, get cut out that way.
0: Yeah, so you could have a collection of Codex-compliant Ultramarines. No special yeah. characters, no otherwise yeah. Ultramarine unique units. And you could play them using the Sons of Sanguinius Detachment.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, could. Yeah. yeah. So
0: basically, you have Ultramarines to get plus one to charge and wound and stuff like that, and the bonuses the yeah. Blood Angels have.
1: But yep. I guess the flip the flip side of that is they will lose out on you know the Gladius. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally. They, they so, would, they so they, not... they'll end up they'll end up with a load of uh, a load of stratagems and stuff that are sort of like, does this work for you? You know, I mean, you can well, do the it.
0: Strat- the stratagems they would have access to will be the ones from the Sons of Sanguinius. Tactics, yes, Yes. Yeah, that's where yeah, so, drawn from.
1: Yes, there Unless yeah, so what, any of so, those
0: stratagems are keyworded to things like Sanguinary Guard or, or Death Company
1: no so they are they are all so they are all a startis. but what i mean is because they're sort of designed for like for example you know the the one and again i don't know if you you've looked through the blood angels this is becoming like a very generic 10th edition podcast apologies ladies and gentlemen uh, <laughs> not like, dogs, i'm going t- somewhere with it i've got i've got a, oh okay a, a, okay. A, a, an <laughs> okay. <point>. okay 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 <laughs> I'll, I'll keep going so 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 for so for example the the one stratagem that's like really good in the blood angel one is angel sacrifice which is basically you can you can Get an, an adeptus started's character that was just destroyed, and you know until the end of the battle, each time a friendly adeptus started's unit makes an attack on the and targets the enemy unit that destroyed the character, you can re-roll the hit roll. That's generically powerful, but like it's you know it's it's clearly kind of meant to lean towards like the whole blood angel sacrificial thingy yeah. know, from a fluff perspective. So it's it yeah, or or red rampage as well. That's pretty good. I guess that is pretty universal but so then yeah, again like you know you,
0: you can you can have characters for you know like the from the ultramarines for example who are also very you know like protective of the people and you know they've yeah, 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 been yeah, like, yeah. quite a you know yeah. self-sacrifice style character you know i'm sure there's been moments in plenty of black library novels where your Ventress has
2: thrown himself in the way of some of his brothers <laughs> so you're saying you can run the blood angels detachment as ultramarines but if you use that stratum, you have to call it Blue Rampage.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Kind of. Absolutely,
1: yeah.
2: So,
0: to my third point then, is there anything that um, includes the rules anywhere for prohibited units? And the primary example I'm thinking of is, does it anywhere in the Black Templars detachment rules, so the super devout Space Marines, Mm-hmm. Does it say, presumably, you can't take librarians? Do
1: you know I haven't even looked at that, so let's have a... Oh, so... <laughs> ah, interesting, interesting. So, restrictions on Black Templars. Your army cannot include any Adeptus Astartes Psycho models and cannot okay. include any of the following models that do not have the Black Templars keyword. Gladiator Lancer, Gladiator Reaper, Gladiator Valiant, Impulsor, Repulsor, Repulsor Executioner. Which is quite, quite interesting.
2: It's because they have their own ones that have multi melters, right? So here's my thinking.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, I guess, but I guess, I guess, short of modeling that on them, there's no. Yeah, well, I'm guessing they've got
0: their own data uh, data cards because they'll have different weapon options. The only difference is they can take a multi melter. (laughs) Melters, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um. So, so here's my question about whether or not this is legal as a like an army list build. And the reason why I just think this is funny is because if you've got someone who comes to the game and they know nothing about the law, nothing about the background, they just see some artwork and go, that's the way I want to paint my Space Marines. Mm-hmm. And what's the most competitive way to play them? And if mm-hmm. at the time, by some coincidence, this was the way to do it, would this be legal? And that is, you have a player who has a collection built and painted as Black Templars. hmm They're not using any of the Black Templar specific units. So, not using Sword Brethren. They're not using Crusader Squads or whatever. They choose to use the detachment rules for Space Wolves because they think sagas are the most competitive choice to play around with. Yeah. And as such, because they're playing with the Sons of Russ or whatever detachment, they have no prohibition on taking psychic units. And therefore, they take a Black Templar's librarian you who's going around trying to complete his
1: saga. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could do it. You could do it.
0: Uh, like, in theory, that's allowed.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Be- yeah. Be- because the three components that are the actual painted models, your paint scheme, and then the unit choices that you can and cannot take, and then the detached rules that you're using uh free siloed
1: pieces of information in the majority of cases yeah yeah definitely yeah no no no, absolutely no definitely definitely you could you could do that if you wanted to although again if you're painting black templars and you've got a librarian and the inquisition will be coming to see you sure <laughs> exactly
2: it's so the the like the the three people who played black templars after the third edition box set came out but before they had rules and law who will have built their own librarians because they didn't have anything (laughs) saying they couldn't back then. They can finally use them again. (laughs) But,
0: yeah, just... It's one of these things where I know there'd be some part of me that just, like, if I saw a top table, like the LVO or whatever, and there's Black Templar librarians are crushing it because their rules are broken when combined with Space Wolf sagas or some equivalent, (laughs) it'd just be like... It's just funny to me that technically that can work as the way yeah. the indexes currently are laid out. Like that's legal to do. And you're right, that's not how wargamers and hobbyists think. So that's not typically mm. how you would get there. But it's it feels the closest do, yeah. yeah, the closest recent dissonance to that was when at the tail end of 9th, you had the Empress Children's Army that were all being reinforced by his inch flamers.
1: Oh yeah, that one that that one annoyed me. That did. I, I don't get yeah. on my high horse about these things that often, but that one I was like, nah, come on. Because to be fair, with that one, that was it. That was a a very and I, I say this as somebody who is a lawyer, right? So I'm going to be rude for my own <laughs> profession. Most people are, anyway. Um, is that that was a very like rules lawyery reading to yeah. be able to have that happen? Like I, I would say, like what you've said tonight is not not at all. I mean, it's just it's just the way it works, right? It's very free free flowing. That was like a very in my mind a very egregious. Like oh well, actually we can do this, and I was like yeah, but you can't though. Like come on, yeah. You can buy it. I
0: the reason why I understood that in simple terms why it worked, but also mm. then it's this prime example of the the cognitive dissonance of a hobbyist knowing the law and the universe and the setting and the armies and all the rest of it, it just yeah. feeling off and like why would that ever be the case? It just doesn't. It feels like it shouldn't be a thing, despite the fact in, pe- uh, in principle it's quite simple. And the reason for it yeah. was simply because at the time of the four major god legions, you world eaters, death guard, and thousand sons exist as a separate entity with their own codexes and rules. Mm. So ultimately the Emperor's Children all they were behaving as was one of the sub-faction choices of and generic Chaos Space Chaos Marines, Space yeah. Marines. Yeah. and generic Chaos Space Marines were not godlocked in any way so really? as written, an Emperor's Children force was no different to a Night Lord's force or an Iron Warrior's force, they were just a flavour of Chaos Space Marine so, which is why on paper it worked why you could just bring in therefore any demons to work with them but yeah, we all know that they are Soneesh devoted. Like they shouldn't have is, anything other than Soneesh. That is rubbish, and you
1: shouldn't do it. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, so, I, mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, w- I would, I would say on 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 the uh, and again, this is We've gone well away from it but on this space, <laughs> we'll Marines, what I would we'll say the thing, the thing that it, the thing that it, it it says to me is that if you are a um, you know, if you are a space marine player, right, and if you really love playing like one of the um if you're playing one of the kind of non-codex compliant chapters wall space Wolves, dark angels blood angels it's relatively straightforward because at the very least you do have your own detachment that's named for you and um, if you are playing as i don't know raven guard or imperial fists or you know iron hands or something like that then you've got the gladius strike force but actually it's very free flowing what it says to me is actually almost you are and I I, I I to be fair i've done this so i'm biased but it's like paint your own scheme. Do a successor chapter, right? Do do what sort of you want to do, because then actually you can play it as anything, right? If if that's the kind of flex you want, um, and it's nice that they've reflected that in the rules almost now. But um, you know, you you will still get people who'll be like, you know, and and again, in some cases, fairly like it's a Black Templars army. I'm running it as Black Templars, but you know, I've got a library or I'm running it as Ultramarines, but I've got a librarian don't do that um, but uh, but like everywhere else you can be quite flexible and you can just like flex into trying out different things rather than being stuck on a specific playstyle. or or you know in the case of ninth edition and you know i you know quipster had his imperial fist army bless him he's still got it still going with it but um you know it its rules were a bit you know <laughs> oh, oh i'm really good against fortifications cool nobody has any fortifications oh great cool
0: <laughs> I mean, funny. I did always find it funny how Eighth um, Edition led to this phenomena amongst um, YouTubers in particular to create all custom factions for everything, because it meant that they were not faction locked to their uh, rules when showcasing them on their channels, and that's where things like the Thirteenth showed up on Winters, and yeah, and the you know the Obsidian Dragons showed up on Tabletop Tactics, and so on. Mm. But now, yeah, yeah, anything can be anything, and that's not a necessity, yeah. but also at the same time, those same factions are free to do whatever they want and be whatever they want, and it's great,
1: yep, oh, absolutely.
0: <laughs> but um, speaking of factions doing what they do, uh, perhaps we should tangentially pull this back towards tyrannies, to yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah, this is this is where Dan, it's Dan's time to shine, so um. It's just worth mentioning that uh, obviously we've not as yet done an in-depth episode or anything on Crusade as a whole in 10th edition. Mm -hmm. And funnily enough, one of the reasons for that is because fundamentally it hasn't really changed, which is a good thing. It's very yeah, The core concepts of how you build um, an order of battle and then pick armies for your games and they earn experience points to earn battle honors and can suffer battle scars, that's all the same um obviously there's new updated things for like the battle scars and battle honors and options and some of the language has been updated to reflect that the game is now played with points instead of power level even though it's Mm. very much a power level adjacent system and we love it (laughs) Um, the fact that we don't specifically have warlord traits relics anymore so instead the language talks about taking enhancements um on your heroes and so on so it's the requisition point system is still there and that's how you upgrade and enhance and expand your crusade force so i'm sure we will perhaps touch on this more in future episodes as well but yeah the concept of crusade remains um core to what it was in ninth edition and we love that about it and in particular dan's probably gonna launch off now on his long-awaited presentation <laughs> about turning on crusade rules because similarly well, they've not massively changed um from yeah. their ninth edition iteration and that's uh that, that is encouraging because hopefully that means that a lot of the things we saw in ninth edition for all the factions will potentially be returning in some shape or form
2: yeah uh just to briefly go back to Space Marines, I guess it'd be interesting to see what comes out for Crusade in there <laughs> because they were the first, and it was pretty plain, wasn't have it? This time, yeah, it'd be nice to get something yeah. for them that is a bit more interesting than just you can have a guy turn into a dreadnought.
1: Mm,
2: um. <laughs> then down the line, here's some pretty flag upgrades for your pretty flag. Yeah. And that's in cool. White Dwarf or whatever it was. I think it was one of the Warzone books, so they added that. So, um, it's relevant to what I will be talking about that I think you can probably boil down the core changes of the Crusade rules uh, to they've tried to tone down the sort of massive power creep you get when you have loads of experience points. Um, there's a lot of little changes that mean you can't kind of like scale up your force as quickly Um, you need to pay for a requisition to get uh, normal units to get higher than like two level ups Um, when you get a battle scar you instead of just instead of just sort of losing some xp you would lose a whole like level up Um, and there's the new system where you get i can't remember what they call off the top of my head but you get sort of bonus rules if you're playing uphill rather than just getting extra command points um so there's a lot of stuff that make this they've tried to make it to so so that uh, uneven levels of of experience in the crusade system aren't just like an insurmountable odds that that becomes relevant good. because this the uh, the sort of the Tyranid faction rules um, in 9th edition, were kind of built in a slightly different way to all the others, um, and they kind of encourage you to sort of cycle through units a bit, so that you wouldn't just uh, like use the same few units and level them up like to the max rank, and that's it. It encourages you to swap mm. out units for different ones in the book at different stages of the invasion, stuff like that. Uh, And obviously that has carried on into this book, but it's slightly less kind of relevant now than it used to be in terms of making it play differently to a normal Crusade force, I think. If that makes sense.
1: Cool.
2: Yeah, it does. (laughs) So, yeah, with that sort of caveat in in mind, let's talk about Tyranids. Looking at my lovely book here, the um at the start of the crusade (laughs) section there is the the important uh sort of key um core mechanic of it the devouring worlds section uh in here essentially you randomly generate a world be it an industrial world a rural world or a hive world uh, and then you work out how much biomass you can gather from that world and how long it takes in terms of battles played to do so. And as you progress through this invasion of of devouring a world, you go through three stages. Uh, you go through the invasion stage, the predation stage, and the, co- the consumption stage. Uh, and each of these stages requires a certain amount of battles played and a certain amount of biomass to get to the next stage and each of the stages has a different set of special rules that can apply to your force while you're in that stage uh, which we'll get to shortly and okay. the the kind of like the key point of it is once you have progressed through the, th- the three stages you've devoured the world and you get a massive load of biomass points that you can spend on loads of upgrades um, so you get this big sort of Um, boost to your crusade force where everything you can get loads of loads of extra experience spend loads of points upgrading various things or just buy a whole load more points into your your uh, order of battle um and part of why that's important is that the tyranids uh when they spend the requisition to get more points it costs them double So the intent is that you don't do that until you've devoured a world, and then you get all the points from that instead. That's interesting.
0: So actually, they're putting a restriction on, like, the core mechanic group's aid. Yes. Because the way the faction's rules basically take it in a different direction to approach that particular aspect. (laughs) A bit like the uh, the, the old... um,
1: micromanaging
0: spreadsheet um degrees that the Chaos Lords needed for their to be able to run their crusades.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh it's probably worth noting that the this section is a little bit simpler than it used to be in the ninth edition bit. Um it's kind of like tenth edition, they've they've kind of rounded off the the the, the dodgy edges uh and, and made it a little bit more straightforward. Um so it's pretty clear what you need to do to play through this. Uh, as an example, if you play, if you're trying to devour an industrial world, uh, in the invasion step, you need to play two D three battles and accumulate three points of biomass to get to the next step. Once you get to the next step, you need to play a further four battles and accumulate D three points of biomass to get to the next step, and then five battles, three biomass. So the whole cycle is uh, 10, 12 games, something like that. Uh, So I think probably for most people, your entire campaign would be devouring one world. Unless you're playing a lot.
0: (laughs) yeah yeah, that, yeah, that sound, yeah, like I say that sounds about right like if you're having a full length campaign and yeah you play somewhere in the region of 8 to 12 games in that time yeah you could imagine and this. I imagine this would actually be a really fun mechanic to use against one other specific opponent like if you've got a regular uh, person that you play with and they have their own crusade rules at some point so perhaps Space yeah. Marines <laughs> in the near future mm-hmm. It'd be interesting to actually see how bear crusade force plays in what is also a kind of a bit of a, um, a predetermined storyline where the idea is that like the tyranians are going to win this war on this world they will consume it by the end of the campaign but how does the other player survive and what do they achieve uh, you know of note in the meantime is a, yeah an interesting sort of self um, emergent
2: story yeah play like mm-hmm. 10 games against one person Devour their world, then throw them out and play someone else for ten games. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you could, you could have the player actually be like, "This is my chapter homeworld," and by the end of this campaign, we're going to be fleet based. Yeah.
1: <laughs> You've, you have, you have turned into the sides of the emperor, and we are going to strip your world of everything.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, the sides of the emperor. I've got bad news for you. Oh, you could. Oh, you could do um. You could
0: do it against an Eldar uh, army and, like, uh, do the fall of Craft of So you start mm. with a Crusade force where it's all, like, no wraiths and, like, all living Eldar, <laughs> and then by the end of the uh, the campaign, the Eldar army is mostly <laughs> wraith guy.
2: constructs. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. You
1: yeah. can you can you can take them to the at uh, the end of the campaign. You can as as once you've devoured their world, you can take them to Warhammer World in Nottingham and you can show them the Doom of the, Doom Iandon uh, diorama and laugh heartily as they weep little <laughs> Eldar tears. <laughs> don't do that. Uh... <laughs> uh,
2: do that because it's it's really cool there.
1: Yeah. No. I mean, do go to Warhammer World. <laughs> and do check out the dioramas. They are generally cool. Just you know, maybe maybe don't drag your your poor friend who you have just. Beaten into the dust over ten games to uh, <laughs> to come and see <laughs> see the Doom
2: of Iandon. Yeah, so just to just to finish up this section, um, it's worth saying how you get the biomass points. Essentially, you get one every time you win, you lose one every time you lose, and then you can gather more through the agendas, which kind of in line with the sort of thing we were seeing in Ninth Edition, where the faction-specific agendas oh. give you bonus to the faction resource.
0: Yeah. So g- pick I'm guessing things like pick a particular enemy unit and kill it for bio points or pick, yeah pick a particular objective and if you hold it get bio points.
2: In fact let's let's skip to the agendas now. Uh that makes sense. Um they are actually very similar to the the ninth edition ones again. Um similar sort of thing but just tidied up a bit. Uh there's four and notably because in uh, in 10th edition there aren't agenda categories anymore you just pick two agendas i believe uh so you could pick two from the tyranid section
1: oh really
0: that which is, that nice. is a change that i wasn't yeah that is a change i wasn't aware of yeah so that is nice uh in
2: Simplifies fact it. technically you could i've I figured out you could pick f- all four uh if you if you spend some requisition <laughs> points because you could there's a requisition that gives you an additional agenda that has to be a Tyranid one. Uh, and one of the the sort of underdog bonuses for being behind on crusade points is to pick an additional agenda. So you could have all four Tyranid agendas going at once.
1: Oh, <laughs> okay. nice. I like so, uh, must say I must say to, to in between um Dan's um quite, you know, serious and sober overview of these, <laughs> of these which is obviously one thing I, I quite like about this just to be very flippant for a second is that the, the sort of little lore nuggets that they give you for each of the, you know, the requisitions the agendas etc you can't because they're all obviously from the perspective of the Tyranids, right? Which is something we don't normally see, right? Because there are lore in the rest of this Codex, which is really good, by the way, um, is obviously all told from the perspective of people who've come across the Swarm. So it's all really depressing because it's all about the inevitability of being turned into goulash. Um, but the, these ones, because they're told from the perspective of the tyrannies, you can read the Crusade ones in the style of David Attenborough and be very happy about So, say, <laughs> so, so for example, right? So, for example, we've got one here that infest the prey world, is one of the agendas right it's the first agenda and you can literally just go in order to overwhelm the prey devour the biomass of the dead and seed the world with toxic spores the swarm must cover all so you can kind of just read it to yourself like a nice nature documentary yeah lovely ah aren't too it's beautiful <laughs> sorry that was, very, that, that was very flippant of me
0: <laughs> uh, oh, I like it it's, it's just yeah, I'm I saw I did see something. Um a friend sent me some like YouTube videos um the uh, the other week about um it, it, basically exactly that. I had up for the life of me remember what the name of the channel was now, unfortunately. I'm out to see if I can find it and put it in the description below. But basically it was like a, a 40k law channel where it's all about um the creatures and animals of the universe and the species of the universe. It's all like David attenborough like voiceovers for it all <laughs> and like this like this was it. an episode about catch so it was talking about the catch on demos ah. and the barking toads and the, the face huggers and so on <laughs> love it <laughs> nice um but yeah I'll, I'll leave a link below if i can if i can find it again because that, that was exactly that and it's brilliant um yeah. But yeah just just to cycle back then um in case it wasn't obvious or clear from that um to anyone who isn't familiar with crusade rules um the agendas are basically the equivalent of like your secondary or tactical objectives um when playing a game of crusade because traditionally crusade missions do not include sort of secondaries or tactical objectives to achieve they just have their primary scoring Mm
1: -hmm. and then the
0: idea is that that second level of tactical um objectives is achieved by your agendas and they reward yeah. you with stuff that usually benefits your crusade as a whole that lasts outside the confines of that particular game be it more resources or upgrades yeah. or whatever it might be
2: the key thing about the agendas is that they don't actually impact winning the game at all so your opponent doesn't really have any reason to stop yes. you achieving them which is quite cool uh, yeah. so the the Tyranid and ones we've got here it gives you
0: something to yep. do if you are falling behind on the score yes and it's starting to feel like it's an unwinnable game, absolutely. but
2: there's something you can achieve out of it. I think that's that's the kind of the key strength of the crusade system is that it's worth fighting in a in a losing cause. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway. The four tyrannid agendas, uh very quickly infest the prey world, um, which we uh, had the uh, the law text read so eloquently <laughs> just now um, is essentially you get biomass <laughs> points uh, for endless multitude units that's termagants, pormegaunts gargoyles and now neurogaunts I believe um, you get points for them being in table quarters and you get XP for them being behind deployment zones in the enemy deployment zone So basically just spread all over the board with your little bugs. Uh, There's Hunt and Slay, which is just kill stuff. Basically, your opponent picks five (laughs) units in their army and you get XP and biomass points for killing them in melee. Uh, There's Tyranniform the Prey World, which is about placing markers on the board, essentially doing old-style actions, Your infantry units do the action, inverted commas, and you get points. Um, And finally, Mm. the last agenda is tyrannid attack, which is basically kill everything. Um, You get loads of of XP (laughs) and biomass points if you kill everything. Simple. Oh, yes. I do remember
0: that being... Yeah, I do remember that being... um, one of the agendas, I think, it might have been in one of the Warzone books uh, for the Tyranids. that was basically if you table the opponent, get like a ton of resources.
1: <laughs> I, like, I like that though. That is that is nice and th- like it's good. They are really leaning into that that thematic. You know that what the Tyranids do because that's the thing. They they just you're you're just food, right? Oh, you're in armor, you're tinned food, and that's it yeah. at the end of the day. There's no. It's part of the appeal of playing them. There's no there's no good or evil here. They're just hungry.
2: The Tyranids are essentially just a very well-evolved so. can opener.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here looking at a, a Carnifex that I've been playing about with, um, that I've got magnetised, and I'm doing the crushing claws. And so that was a very appropriate comment, because it does look like <laughs> I should just pop a pop a, a can or a, or a bottle open with him.
0: <laughs> yep. Yep. So, we've got the faction resource, we've got the agendas, we've got the overall goal throughout the sort of the campaign, yep. moving through these stages to stages. So, mm-hmm. what do each of these actual stages of invasion right. mechanically do then in the game? Then?
2: Here's the bit where I am a little bit sad uh, because I think this is the bit no. where it falls down a bit, if I'm honest. Um, it's a little bit disappointing. The ninth edition bit was better here. Um, I think they've. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't think they've quite got this right. Um, but there's the invade. This starts with the invasion stage, uh, and you get. The- so each of them has a special requisition you can use, and uh, like a caveat to get special extra XP for certain units. Uh, so the Vanguard one in the invasion section allows you to swap uh two vanguard invader units in your order of battle uh like swap the battle traits from them so if you've got a really really experienced unit of gene sealers and a really experienced lictor and you want to swap the traits around you can do that with a requisition which is like okay but i i don't know it's a bit mm. niche if you know what yeah. i mean i can't Weird see what i'm using it
0: interesting but yeah
2: yeah uh, and then you get extra experience points for the following units, if they are end the battle wholly within your opponent's deployment zone. Uh you get it for endless multitude units, vanguard invader units, and your warlord. That all makes sense. You get XP for being behind enemy lines, basically. Um Yeah, I guess if you're run- yeah. if you're in the vanguard's invasion stage, you're running loads of Gene Sealers, they're gonna if you do well they're going to end up behind enemy lines you get extra xp makes sense that that works
1: yeah there's there, there's worth worth saying there are the, the other nice thing about this is although those are keyword lock there are quite that that covers quite a few units Oh yeah. The because there are there are like a lot of units that have Vanguard Vanguard Invader keyword is quite widely shared. So, you know, it is it is your gene stealers, but it's also like your winged hive tyrant or your uh what else yeah. is there? Winged prime. Basically anything that's like fast or anything sneaky. So Neuralictors, uh Death Leaper has it. So if you want to do yeah. something cool, narrative like the Death Leapers in, you know, because it can infiltrate it's behind enemy lines at the end of the battle, as it, you know, rightly should be, you're gonna get your extra XP, which is quite nice
2: yeah
0: and i suppose at this stage as well that's then like promoting two of the six detachments to be sort of like the ones to narratively yes. use at this stage of the invasion
2: because absolutely
0: if you're if you're trying to achieve these objectives with vanguard or multitude units then if you want to be playing into that in your army build you want to be playing into the vanguard yep. or multitudes detachments
2: Probably worth a little note here that in the 10th edition Crusade rules, you don't have to pick a sub-faction. When you build the list, you decide which detachment you're using. So you can have your order of battle playing as multiple different detachments through the Crusade, which is really cool, uh, but it does have the weird effect that you can have enhancements from multiple different detachments in your army, which is interesting.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'd heard this. Uh, I'd heard this oh, talked about on um, the Masters of the Forge podcast because they were talking a little bit about um, their experience playing some Crusade games. And um, the, yeah the way that upgrading your characters of equipment now works is that you pick an enhancement for them and then that character has that enhancement indefinitely regardless of what detachment he's then included in in future. Mm. yeah and the way so it does mean that you can end up with an enhancement from the vanguard detachment on a character who is then you're playing that game with an endless multitudes yeah detachment army but that character Mm. still retains his vanguard enhancement
1: yeah and i I, I was gonna say i'll I'll say now uh, again putting my my little my little uh, competitive uh, um, dunce <laughs> hat on, right on the wrong podcast. <laughs> That's quite spicy because there are there are certain enhancements in certain detachments in the Tyranid Codex, in particular, that are very good. and There are others oh, yes. which are perhaps not so good. So you could you you could get some you you know t- to take an example out of this, right? If you were doing as Tony as you say Vanguard, uh, onslaught. There is a, there is one in there that allows you to do the old like redeploy three units after you know's game first, which is brilliantly powerful obviously so if you have that for the rest of your crusades happy days
0: yeah (laughs) <laughs> I'll be redeploying my uh, Crusher Stampede monsters in a few yeah. games' time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you're not supposed to do that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I think in the context of Crusade, it's ab- it's absolutely fine. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, these are obviously the characters and the heroes whose stories have been followed. So in the case of the Tyranids, that thing has adapted and evolved in that particular way, and now yeah. it has
1: this physical trait also also how cool is it the idea that again like i'm picking on death leaper because it's such an amazing model but imagine having like a death leaper that's got that you've got him to the end right he's he's vanguard invader you've got him to the end of the 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 invasion stage he's you know got all the xp because he's always ending up in the deployment zone and then you take him in the enemy deployment zone you take him in your next battles you run him with something like crusher stampede well there's your narrative right there he's been knocking about among the enemy for so long he knows where they deploy he knows where they are he's using that intelligence as Part of the hive mind, and now telling your big bugs where to go. Yeah,
0: yeah. he's holding up his cool. big red flesh cape, waving it around, he's doing his job.
1: <laughs> like, like like the Matador. Like the Matador <laughs> he is.
2: Ah, that's why the Crusher Stampede are coming this way. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> Just herding a load of carnifex. It's like the, it's like a, it's like a scarier version of that bull run they do in Pamplay, yeah. but with card effects. That would
2: be <laughs> awful. <laughs> oh dear!
0: Imagine that through the uh, the street the streets of the Palace of Terror.
2: Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> oh good. Um, on the subject of enhancements, it's probably worth noting that uh, they are limited in Crusade more so than relics and stuff were in the previous one, because each additional one costs more requisition points uh, than the last. So you, if you ah. want to stack them up, it'll it's harder and harder to do so. Um, so they kind of thought of that.
1: Oh, that's good. That's good, though.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The, like, the, the Crusade rules are, feel like they've had a lot more thought put into them than the previous version.
0: <laughs> As is often the way with a, a lot of their mechanics. <laughs>
2: Which leads nicely onto the bit that didn't. So the second stage of the invasion of the, of the um, devouring world is the predation stage, sort of mid bugs or whatever. Uh, the requisition's pretty good. You can you can do it once per devoured world. Um, you select one endless multitude unit, uh, and they get to have the infiltrator keyword or special rule. So you can just have a big unit of termagants or whatever start in the middle of the board that's pretty good and it's fluffy i like that Mm. um however the the second bit is i think i think this is actually a mistake this second bit here the battle experience Mm -hmm. you get extra experience for uh controlling objectives in no man's land with certain units that makes sense however the list of units is as follows Biovores, Exocrine, Haruspex, Hiveguard, Hive Tyrant, Pyrovores, Tyranifex, Tyrant Guard, Warlord. Now, if you are a Tyranid veteran, you'll notice that all of those are things that come at the end in the consumption stage of the invasion. So why are they getting bonus experience here?
1: Mm.
2: Uh, And spoilers, that exact same list shows up in the consumption section so i i think they've literally copied and pasted it wrong ah okay yes that makes it sound like it's a mistake
1: (laughs) yeah just forgotten to change it yeah it wouldn't Hmm. surprise it wouldn't surprise me it wouldn't surprise me there there are i must admit like as say, great book overall and, and like this is a good example of it so it's worth talking about there are some things in the tyranid book which are like you know especially for as Dan rightly says for like people who play Tyranids a lot who know the lore there are some things that are like a bit weird like so just to pick two off the top of my head right Raveners, right digging warrior form bugs wormy vermiform things not vanguard invader right do hmm. any of that which you would have thought the speedy diggy guys kind of might You know, maybe even the big ones, like the the Morlock and the the Trigon. I mean, I can kind of see maybe why they didn't, because it's quite powerful, but like, you know, the idea of them as the Vanguard Vader. But then also the other one, there's this Harvester, what's it called? Um, Assimilation Swarm. That's a Harvester keyword that's, you know, in principle really cool. It's like, you know, it's the stuff that's eating things, it's producing spores. That's got like three units that get the keyword. Three or four units, I think, that get the keyword. And some of them make sense, like the Harrah Specs, but then the pyrovor gets it i guess because he's eating stuff and turning it into into you know flaming acid i don't know it, it's like some of the choices are a little a little bit strange yeah. right um so so there are examples of that so i think the, this is the pyrovor in- is
2: tyrannid indigestion
1: yeah yeah, he, he needs a Rennie, right fundamentally is what he needs um to help him help his uh, or you know that little that little fireman made out of the indigestion uh medicine we to have <laughs> on the adverts uh that i won't name <laughs> um but uh but yeah like it, i think it's one of those like little mistakes that maybe they have just copied and pasted stuff across
2: yeah uh sadly because it's the crusade section well, i feel like they're out for that potentially in the faq then i feel like they probably won't look at it in the faq because it's Crusade, so they'll just sort of ignore that in favor of fixing things that are actually broken when they come up. If you know what I
0: mean. <laughs> well, then perhaps um, in your like local play group or whatever, of your regular opponent, uh, create a little short list of what is ag- agreed on as the mid-stage creatures, yeah. which, is, which is probably basically anything that isn't included in the first list or the third list. Yeah, basically. It's
2: like yeah, I don't know. Warriors. What
1: would we, what, what, what would we get? You know what? Let's 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 do it live. Yeah. What would you go for, Dan? What would you include? Warriors.
2: Yeah, it would definitely be warriors of of the various sorts. Um, I think I think I'd put Carnifexes in that bracket as well. I think they feel like they are sort of mid yeah mid tier yeah, bug agreed. these days. Uh, I think maybe the various snaky bugs. Uh, since they don't fit. Apparently they're yeah, not the Vanguard organisms, and they don't fit at the end either. Um, and yes, yeah,
1: yeah, agreed. The
0: oh, yes. um, the big flyers, like the actual aircraft yeah. equivalent
1: ones, the maybe? harpy uh, and the hive Crone. Yeah,
2: I think yeah. are they Vanguard invaders? I think they might be. Oh, um, the um...
1: the har the harpy is yeah the har- the harpy is a Vanguard invader. The hive Crone, I'm not sure off the top of my head. What
0: about the um, the new emissaries?
1: Yeah, because really the predation stage is anything that's just meant to be like a battering ram that's like kind of, you know, is, is smashing apart the resistance. You've invaded, you've done your vanguard invasion, you're now smashing apart the resistance with the objective that at your next stage, you'll eat it all, right? But you need to get rid of it first. So even stuff like effects, I mean, Exocrines, I can kind of see being, they're on this list, I can kind of see them being a, a predation stage because they are living artillery, they're just, they're just bombarding stuff.
0: Presumably, all the psychic stuff. Your yeah, Neurotyrant, your zombropes, your meloceptors. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, it's not so easy to sneak in when you're a giant brain bug. But also, <laughs> you're not concentrating yeah. too much on eating anything either because no. you, you don't have any. You probably don't have that big a stomach
2: because it's all taken up yeah, by yeah. brain.
1: R- probably rippers, probably ripper swarms as well, although they are used for um, consumption. Probably
2: rippers are. So they don't fit in any of these lists because they're swarms and therefore they can't get experience points in crusade
1: oh no yeah that's true and, and i'm guessing spore mines can't as well i think i read somewhere spore mines can't which is sad to me because everyone loves a spore mine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> amazing so
0: assuming that we created a little retconned list of things that should be in this detachment then um have we covered everything that like uh, not detachment, even this stage of the invasion, and we covered everything that they should in theory get or benefit from.
2: Yeah, yeah, more or less. I mean, like I say, the the requisition is is decent. The idea of getting points for being on no man's land objectives makes sense. It's just the list is wrong. Um, <laughs> and as mentioned, it is the list th- that you get experience for in the consumption stage, uh, and those units in the consumption stage will get XP just for being alive. Which is easy.
1: <laughs>
2: um <laughs> but kinda makes sense because yeah if you're eating stuff you want to be alive at the end. Like I guess that, that makes sense. I mean
1: preferably that's a that's a that's yeah. a terrible that's a that's a terrible Yelp review if you're not alive at the end of your, <laughs> your
2: meal. <laughs> I invaded this planet ate all the biomass, and died. One star. <laughs> I I thought you were going to say the terrible review was, well, I survived.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, the meal did not kill me, so, you know, I'll take it, right?
0: <laughs> Love it. Cool. Um, so then, Dan, um, yep. I take it, has in some shape or form... The concept of crusade
2: relics survived into 10th edition yes do we have anything that's like unique upgrades yes. uh I'll, or unique enhancements? okay i'll get to that shortly um just to just to finish up the the consumption stage you get um you can use a requisition to get extra xp on a character or monster unit that wasn't destroyed which is quite cool it fits again they want to survive um And once you have completed the consumption stage, you then get to spend all of the biomass that you've accumulated on a section called Biogenesis, which is a list of things you can get, and it's essentially all the various things you can do to Crusades to get them better, but spending biomass instead of your requisition points. Uh, So you can get more points. You can increase your points limit. You can get um, more... Uh, of the sort of um, enhancements and things like that you can get more xp on your units you can just straight get an extra requisition point um and uh or you can use the the special tyranid um requisitions for free so there's a whole bunch of stuff you can do and some of that would result in you getting (laughs) more experience points which could could lead us to crusade relics see see what i did there
1: i linked for you that's 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 a great segue smooth
2: yeah i know right (laughs) i didn't just read half a section of the book in two seconds um yeah so crusade relics i have mixed feelings uh there are Two Artificer Relics, two Antiquity Relics, and a Legendary Relic. And I think they are the exact same relics from 9th edition, but obviously with different rules. Um, Some of them are good. Some of them are a little bit disappointing. Uh, Luckily, the core book has lots of Crusade Relics. So it doesn't matter that much. <laughs> like, this doesn't upset me as much as the the um, uh, the mid-stage invasion thing did. <laughs> uh, so, notably... They've, they've got
1: cool names, though. Yes. To be fair.
2: The Spirit Leech Cortex. Oh, that's cool. Uh, that is the one that kind of replicates the old Doom of Malanti thing where you do psychic damage and get wounds back that's cool um Mm. notably it requires a psycho unit with a psychic attack which is precisely one model that can take this in the book (laughs) Uh, and that is the um neuro tyrant which kind of makes sense that would work as a a doom equivalent does a bunch of mortal of does a bunch of psychic wounds and then gets wounds back it's pretty cool it also when it does that it increases the strength of its melee attacks which don't really do anything so, <laughs> so great, for eh. the tyrant. <laughs> whatever. but it's, it's t- okay
1: he can, look, he, can t- he can tickle your intercessors for a couple of oh, times, yeah, right he can tickle your intercessors they'll That's have a great
2: time <laughs> extra strong tickles yeah uh, so
1: <laughs> god it's like a very frightening version of tickle <laughs> me Elmo. Um, yeah
2: uh the uh so the disappointing thing here is that the second artificer relic the Bale mind membrane also only works on models with psychic weapons so the two artificer relics both go on only one model in the book and that one in particular allows oh, you to re-roll to hit and to wound and notably the only psychic weapon you can put it on automatically <laughs> hits so I don't think they thought that one through very well.
1: Yeah, it's a flamer. No. No. Do you know what this you know what this suggests to me, which is interesting? I like let's do some extrapolation. Let's do yep. some conspiracy theorizing. This suggests to me that there were there were other models perhaps at some point during the drafting of this yeah. of this book that were intended to be psychic characters. <clears throat> neuro uh, n- neuro um uh, I'm not going to say neuro neurotar. I completely lost my train of thought. I'm looking at the model right now. N- well, no, no, because he's, he's just part of a zoanthrope unit. You know? He is I mean now. The, um, I mean, the big lads. The. Oh. Um, yeah, 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 no, but I mean, the. Oh,
2: yes. The, the, um, they are.
1: Uh, the Norn. The uh, Norn they do
2: have psychic weapons, but they are not characters, so they can't have the Crusade relics. They're
1: not characters. Yeah, so, so what I mean is I wonder if this suggests a point in time at which there were more, you know, the yeah. intended... Because pe- I think people were surprised when this wasn't a character, Yeah. which kind of makes sense because you don't want to stick enhancements on it. But um, but yeah, I it suggests to me that at some point in the drafting there were more psychic characters. Yeah,
2: absolutely. It, it feels and like it was... presumably, is,
0: is yeah. the neuro an actual, like, unit sergeant and it's not a, just a character that gets attached yes. to some own ropes.
1: Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't exist as a data sheet now. So it's just it's oh, it's yeah. a yeah, it's a sergeant as yeah. you say. Because that just that
0: might son. have been the case, you know. If originally yeah. it was something like you know your mech boy equivalent, where it's like it's technically yeah. a character, yeah. it has leader and it's clearly intended to always go with the unit it's supposed to go with.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Is it? It's interesting thinking about it. It suggests that the Crusade rules were kind of written alongside the rest of the codex rather than afterwards, which. Good or bad? Yeah. I don't know. It's a it's a thing.
0: <laughs> we'll have to see how it plays out in other codexes.
2: Yeah, yeah, quite. I'm just going to skip the the antiquity relics, um, <laughs> and go to the legendary relic because the legendary relic is good. <laughs> uh, this is the Norn Crown, and essentially what it does uh, is that it gives you. You know the shadow and the warp ability you can use once per game. Well, if you've got the Norn Crown, you can do it twice. That's pretty good. Uh it's like it's
0: like the uh, the great uh, the Chopper of the Great War for the orcs. here's this uh, faction-wide you know ability that's a big one-use per game thing. Here's
2: a legendary crusade relic that lets you do it twice per game. Yep. Mm. But that's good not stable. all. It also, Ooh, more. it also increases the range of friendly synapse units, uh, synapse ability to nine inches instead of six. That's, that's all it. the synapse units <laughs> that's in your army. That I was is say, really that's good.
1: I... <laughs> yeah, yeah that, army that's, wide. that's cracking. That is cracking, that one.
2: Isn't it? <laughs> Having played it, trying to get everything within six of a synapse creature is sometimes a little bit tricky. If it's nine... yes. Whew, on everything and the thing with the Norm Crown doesn't even have to be like out front it could be that Neuro Tyrant hiding at the back somewhere right um, if he's collecting all the relics
1: yeah definitely definitely
0: <laughs> yeah but then what use is he if he can't make use of his psychic attack with all those enhancements oh yeah good point <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and then is is there is there much else to it or like just as a quick side note now like are there battle traits
2: yes there are so there's a few bits I'd like to talk about um very quickly well there's uh, we'll talk about requisitions in a bit um battle traits yes we have two tables of battle traits we like tables of battle traits uh these are pretty good i mean always there's going to be some that are good for some units and some that aren't it's the nature of it um but there's a a a table for normal tyranid units and a table for synapse units uh so the normal ones get stuff like strength born of hunger add one to the strength characteristic of melee weapons equipped by models in this unit it's pretty good or fleet of claw each time you make an advance or charge roll for this unit you can re-roll the result these are all good they're all sort of just makes them faster bigger tougher stronger the kind of things you'd expect from your regular bugs and then the synapse unit one has some interesting stuff uh some of which is kind of a bit niche but some of it's quite cool um you can there was this one called unfathomable terror <laughs> it basically allows you to force an enemy unit within six inches to take a leadership test with at a minus one uh, and if they fail they uh, you reduce their their move characteristic uh, and they cannot be selected to advance so you can kind of like tie stuff in place with your synapse units
0: yeah. so that's... it's
2: it's basically
0: that's it's, it's, so it's basically yeah. like
2: the synapse abilities are all kind of like what would have been psychic powers in in previous versions mm-hmm. it's like giving extra abilities to them. So it's quite cool. There's yes. that sort of stuff. Um, uh, and and ones that are just like plus one toughness or whatever, which is obviously going to be good as well. Uh, yep, so kind of thematic selection of battle traits. Obviously, they don't replace the ones in the book. You can have them as well. Uh, so you can have a whole load of different things on your Tyranids. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, the flip side of that, of course, is the Battle Scars. Uh, in in 9th edition, we saw that not every book had them, but Tyranids did, and they do again here. And it's the same split. There's Battle Scars for Synapse units and Battle Scars for non-Synapse units. Um, similarly, the non-Synapse ones kind of uh, in- interact with... Uh, they kind of mimic the, the core ones, really. Uh, there's one that means you can't use stratagems on them, one that means um, uh, like, they have to charge the closest nearest enemy, that kind of stuff. Basically, if you have a battle scar on a non-Synapse unit, they they go all bestial and feral and, and don't act the way you want necessarily, which is quite cool. Um, whereas the Synapse ones, interestingly, they basically lose their various Synapse abilities, Oh, okay. uh, the most fun one <laughs> is casts no shadow, which means the synapse creature is affected by your shadow of the warp ability. So <laughs> you have to take a battle shock test as well on that unit.
1: Oh man, that's
2: <laughs> like the idea of a tyranid. Oh, I'm really scary. Oh, oh, scary. Yes,
1: I've got, I've, I've got a headache. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh both of those tables for the battle scars have um four results and then 5 or 6 is roll in the on the core uh battle scar tables in the crusade books uh so you can just choose to roll on this and then you might get one of the the in the book ones uh, it's no problem there mm. uh again kind of more results not replacing the things in the core book, which is good.
1: Yeah. Nice.
2: Um so the the last bit well not the quite the last bit. The last bit I sort of want to seriously talk about is the requisitions. Uh because this is kind of like the bit that has that feeling of cycling through units and replacing them uh, with like, you know, you burn your biomass and make more. It kind of has a nice feel to it that um, kind of sets the Tyranid Crusade apart from the others a bit. Uh, there is, as mentioned before, this one that lets you take an additional agenda. Fair enough. Um, but the other three all sort of let you swap around your, your configuration within your Crusade. Uh, there's, there's one that lets you pick a Tyranid character and swap their crusade relic for a different crusade relic which is quite cool because then uh, for instance you could have a legendary character and swap all their relics for legendary ones which would be a bit a bit wild um, <laughs> but it does mean if you if you have a relic you don't like you can swap it for something else if you have a relic that's like affects a weapon that means you can't do a weapon enhancement on it you could swap it for something else and then you could do the weapon enhancement there's a, there's interesting options there and it, it just feels quite sort of fluffy uh uh and then we've got two that kind of affect the units and and the the various things they have um there is respawn warrior organisms uh, that allows you to pick a tyranny unit from your order of battle that has no battle scars it loses all of its battle traits, and you just select a new battle trait for each one it lost. So, basically, you can just completely change the way that unit is set up. All, all of its experience gets turned into something else. It's pretty, almost like it's a completely different unit. Yeah, <laughs> pretty
1: cool. Like it's quite cool that like regen idea.
2: Yes, it's the ability to respec on the fly. Exactly. It's. Uh, yeah, it's it's very tyranny it's, it's an aspect of tyranny that has been kind of ignored through most of the previous editions but in ninth edition they started started to play into it a bit more <laughs> and, and, and then they um, nerfed it <laughs> yes and then they took it away whatever
1: uh, the final
2: <laughs> one is uh synaptic bioregenesis uh which means you can which this is very interesting you can select a synapse unit from your order of battle and replace it with a new synapse unit. Uh, You cannot purchase this requisition if it would would make you go over your tail points, blah, blah, blah. Um, The newly added synapse unit starts with the same number of experience points as the unit it replaced and immediately gains the appropriate number of battle honours for its rank. So you literally go, ah, that unit of Zoanthropes, they're a Hive Tyrant now with the same experience points (laughs) or whatever. So you literally just melt them down, make a new thing. Yeah, this is the sort of traditional Captain becomes a Dreadnought or a
0: Farseer becomes a Wraith Lord sort of equivalent upgrade, but because it's Tyranids, it's literally just we're going to turn any piece of uh, biology into this other piece of biology, (laughs) but it retains its sentience, (laughs) so it's just been smushed up into goo and uh, kept alive and then reconstituted.
2: At one moment, my wife has walked in and has an important message for us. Nerd. Thank you. Nudes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Nerds. laughs>
2: we always get that at the
0: start of the recording normally, but if she's been out, then she's taken her first opportunity to uh, give us that important <laughs> public announcement. <laughs> um. So yeah. So. It really is sort of embracing the adaptability um, and changing nature of the Tyranid army in these crusade rules as a whole, from the whole concept of moving through stage of invasion uh, to completion and consumption right through to the actual resources and rewards and upgrades, all being very malleable and changeable as your crusade goes on, by the sounds of it.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah, exactly as I say, it's it's got a core, a, like a very strong core concept.
1: Yeah, it's great.
0: Well, thank you, Dan, for taking us through um, all of that and all of the tyrannies on Crusade and uh, hopefully going to be a, a sort of early insight into the sort of things we can expect from the other factions in Crusade going forward in 10th edition.
2: Yeah, I think we'll see a a, a mix of the the ninth edition stuff updated plus some new things. Um, Speaking of new things, there's one little tiny bit at the end that I just wanted to mention, and that's Crusade Badges, which doesn't actually do anything. It's literally just sort of achievements for playing Crusade. Um, There's a Vanguard Tendril one, which you get if you successfully devour one world and win at least two battles. There's a monstrous Tendril, which is you have to devour three different types of worlds and win 6 battles, and all-consuming Tendril, which is basically, you've completed Codex Tyranids, Um, you devoured 5 different (laughs) worlds, including at least one of each type, you've won at least 10 battles, you've got a Legendary character, and you've got the Norn Crown Relic.
0: Oh wow, yeah, that, that really is like ticking all the boxes and being the whole, well done you completed Crusade, sort of scenario.
1: Completed it mate, completed the Codex. Got my gold badge. I am an all-consuming tendril. There is nothing that you can do about it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think with that, we have perhaps also come to the end of and completed a podcast for tonight, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been a pretty, pretty comprehensive overview. I think, I look, I, I, I think yep. the book's cool. I think the crusade rules in particular give you that. I think Dan's done a great job of, like, where they get the flavor and you know we said where they've got a few things probably in our view maybe a little bit wrong but overall yeah if you wanted to run like like if you really wanted to be like listen this is you know high fleet jeff and high fleet jeff is going to go and become bigger than leviathan and we are going to do a crusade campaign you could really have some very thematic games with this which i think is great
2: absolutely absolutely and you'd have the crusade that progresses over time Uh, units would go in and out of favour depending on how strong they get and in the end you'd have like a few core units that are really strong and then a whole load of other sort of chaff units with one or two upgrades Um, and it'd be really cool
1: which is which is very tyranny right it's very tyranny that's that's what yeah. you have you have your core your army with your, your super strong guys and then the rest of it is just you know mulch on legs that's going to turn you into more mulch on legs right that's the point
2: yeah like i don't need my unit of 20 termagants to be a legendary unit in crusade
1: <laughs> wearing the Nord crown bizarrely <laughs> yeah <laughs> despite not being a character or a psyker. we're just we're giving it to a term again because why not
0: <laughs> i mean they, they need all the enhancements they can get for those uh, psychic attacks that they have
1: yeah exactly exactly
2: oh <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah thank, thank you very much dan for um let's say going through all the uh, the tyranny stuff with us thank you adam for coming and joining us tonight and uh, also lending your contributions to the hive mind
1: None of which are at all useful. <laughs> I but they am, are very I am...
0: entertaining.
1: <laughs> oh, you know, I I try, I try, but I am that slightly useless, uh, uh you know, Nero tyrant that's, that's, that's being given a relic that it can't <laughs> use. I think. <laughs> but he's very proud of it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No. No. Honestly, David, no. thank thank you for having me on. Um, it's been really fun um chatting through the book tonight and and chatting through Crusade and and yeah, it's it's. As I say, I think I said at the start, I'll say it again. I'll repeat myself. I think it's a good time to be a bug player, um, whether you are doing, you know, whether you're playing your your um, match play or whether you are doing Crusade. And I think if you haven't checked out Crusade, um, give it a go. I, I'd certainly, I did it in ninth. I had a go in ninth. And I think it did suffer from what, you know, certainly Dan alluded to with the whole, like, you know, you just load up all your XP on one dude that becomes impossible to kill um i think the classic one we always joked about yeah. was like a, a a space marine captain it was like what's his what's his fluff oh yeah he's really good at everything that's uh that's what he yeah. does um <laughs> and it's like it's like you know that that's fine do what you want but like this this you know certainly the tyranid one does lean you more towards as we've said like actually changing the units actually kind of moving the the, the swarm around and playing about with it so i, I think you know, let, let's, let's see what they do with Space Marines. Let's see what they do with other codexes that come out just because then you've got other people playing with their own rules as well. But actually, it's probably a really good time to get a crusade going and actually really lean into it as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, so I final agree.
2: final relevant point on that is all the people who were saying that uh, in 10th edition, they've lost a lot of the sort of fluff and, the, and the, the narrative behind their armies with the changes to how detachments work, that kind of stuff. Hey, it's all here. It's in Crusade. That's where it is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly.
2: It's always hiding in the
0: places that nobody ever thinks to look. And that's why we're here. That, that's why we're here with the narrative <laughs> yeah. Game, the podcast.
1: Yeah. To help
0: people find where all the little hidden gems are within the edition and, and you, their codexes. And yeah, it's just it's great. It's there.
1: not well, you, you, you know, you know, what? Talking to hidden gems and narrative. Sorry, I'll, and I know <laughs> we're trying to round up. But I will just say, even if you don't do Crusade, please read the Crusade section because there is some cracking lore in here. Like, like next to the next to the Crusade relics that Dan was talking to earlier, there is an. I won't read it because go and go and check it out. But there is a really cool story about like a Chaos Space Hulk and what happens when when tyranids get into a Chaos Space Hulk with demons on it and how that all goes for everybody involved and everyone that has to experience it. So, so go and check it out. It's really cool.
0: We, I mean, we are big fans here of um, crazy and interesting law tidbits. We we have whole quizzes dedicated to them. So yeah,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, we, we definitely love finding all those fun little things in the books. Sweet. So for everybody listening and watching at home, uh, one last time, where can people find you, Adam?
1: Uh, yeah so i am at adr wargaming on uh, instagram that's probably the best place to find me these days i'm also uh, a moderator on uh war hipster on the youtube channel war hipster uh run by my friend josh who is the war hipster uh so i'm usually in the chat there if i'm if he's streaming uh or indeed appearing in uh tell him any war hipsters his sort of painting uh, uh a video that we do um once a month where people sort of are giving in their uh, their their painting models and we sort of talk about them generally celebrate them because my god you're all good at painting um i will say that's the one thing that I, I get from that um but yeah you can find me there you can find me on the conclave podcast um we do have an instagram at the conclave 40k but i'll be honest i haven't been keeping it updated so probably best to uh, message me on uh, at adr wargaming on instagram if you have thoughts comments feelings anything you want to talk about because i love talking about the Warhams, in all of its glorious forms. And Dan, how about you?
2: Uh if you go on your social media of choice and type in red tooth or red underscore tooth, you'll probably find me. <laughs> You're usually about somewhere
0: on there so yeah <laughs> instagrams facebook's your own blogs you have your own one of those as well don't you which um didn't i get a shout out recently for um something that you've yep. done some coverage on? yeah i've got a blog i can't remember <laughs> fair enough um yeah and then for myself as always uh, i am at narrative wargamer on most platforms again facebook instagram youtube um things are are going well now on youtube and i'm enjoying what i'm getting to put out and uh yeah and make sure you do like and subscribe and uh, hit the notification bell because there will be more stuff coming out from us in the near future as always so thank you again guys for coming and joining me tonight and uh, i'm sure adam will might see you again on a future episode sometime
1: definitely man definitely
0: Until next time guys, this has been the Narrative Wargamer Podcast, helping you discover more ways to play 40k.